This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Mission Daily. I'm your host, Albert Chow. Actually, I'm not just the host. I have a co-host, too. My buddy, the boss lady, Stephanie Postles. Hello, hello. I am the host. You're the host, too. So, Well, listen, I wanted to say welcome back because you have returned. Our last episode is pretty popular. Over 200,000 downloads of people wanting to learn what Burning Man is. You taught me what Burning Man is. But let me tell you something. I saw something on the news about how it got monsoon rain and it was... Well, the news said, you know, catastrophic on the way out. I don't think anyone died, but it did look miserable. I can say that for sure. People had to trudge their way out of Burning Man. And I'm not going to lie, Stephanie, if you listen to our last episode, I said I was not enthusiastic about being there. And then I saw that. I'm like, well, I'm definitely not enthusiastic about being there. So now my major question is, with all that rain and all that trouble leaving, would you go back? Yeah, I actually say then fill us in. What happened? Because you know me, like I hate bad logistics. Like if I like, I'd be like, "Yo, I will never come back, never again." I will say this year was like a hundred times better than last year, even with all the chaos. Come on now, come on. Even with all the rain, (laughs) I mean, the the one thing to remember was, I mean, when we got to Burning Man, we came in on a Monday, and so we had the whole entire week to be there without the rain, without the mud. So all of that came on the very tail end. So you had a week long, you you got to experience like 90 plus percent of what you were supposed to experience. And then if you listen to our last episode, Stephanie also admitted that she doesn't, she wore last time, she did not stick around for the official Burning Man. She left a little bit early so that she could leave. Yeah, which this time, same thing. I still left before the actual Burning Man event. Um, But yeah, so we had a long time to be able to experience everything. And I'll say the second year, was so much better because I knew a lay of the land. And whereas year one, it was a little more overwhelming because if you, you know, you open up your little booklet and you're like, it's 9 a.m., what's going on? There's like 500 things going on. There's classes and food and like all these like art things and DJs, like there's so much going on. And I think last year I was just kind of going with the flow and following where this year, because I understood the layout of everything, where things were, you know, it just was a a lot easier. Um, So obviously, when you have hindsight and you're like comparing the two, I'm like year two was way easier because I understood it. Um, and our camp was bougier than ever. I consider our camp last year, like a homeless shelter. Much, when I look back on it. How much was a ticket to your camp? Uh, $400 to get in. For the week? It Yes. For the week, a lot, some people paid more. So it's mm-hmm. definitely like, I know people paid a couple thousand dollars to be in it. It just depends on what you can give. Um, but yeah, for the week, that means we had this whole camp set up. There was these, huge domes where these workshops were going on all day but it also gave our camp members a place to hang out together every night we had these two chefs one owns a restaurant in switzerland one owns a restaurant in tulum and they would make us these five course meals every night which like you remember last year that is not anything that we had access to it was kind of like every man for himself and like go find the food on the playa go make your own food but we did not have five course meals each night um and it was just like a really nice just a really nice camp. So for $400, yes, we were able to get into our camp and it was epic, had a beautiful time, had an amazing time. It was a great reconnection point for me and 
my partner Jeremy. Like okay, so going reconnection there, on what? Like you mean like so, a, on a relationship I mean, level? On a relationship, on a spiritual, like give yes, us an idea what's going all on. All the above, there. but mainly for a relationship level. Because when you're out there, you just get to focus. You get to focus on your friend. You get to focus on your partner. Pure focus. No phones, no kids, no work, no nothing. Like the whole goal of every day is just to have fun. And so I don't think there's many times in life that we get that chance just to have multiple days in a row to just focus on your loved one, to focus on your friends, and to just not have any distractions. And when you have such a big difference between, you know, four kids around and business and phone and like all these distractions to then like nothing other than just let's just be present and have a good time out here you can I think for me it's like a a relationship reset because it can go from it's pretty easy to become like ships in the night when there's a lot of stuff going on to have many days where you're not connecting talking dropping in Um, and that can go on for a long time and so I feel like this kind of experience is a really nice one for us to be able to reset it's like you're just kids again having fun and playing in the desert with no obligations other than just like have fun. So it was a beautiful time. Uh, a lot of things, you know, a lot of things I saw, a lot of new experiences, a lot of edges that were, you know, you wander into different spots where you're like, whoa, okay, I didn't mean to wander into here. What is this? So there's a lot of interesting things that I stumbled into. Um, and it was like such a beautiful time. Now the mud was freaking intense. Uh, however, what was funny about it was at the very end of the the trip on Friday, I didn't realize that our camp had Starlink, which you can, you know, connect to. <laughs> I didn't even realize. I wasn't looking for it because I'm like, I don't want my phone. And I heard a couple people had it, but I didn't even go seeking for it. But then when we found out on Friday that we probably would not be able to get out of Burning Man because of the rain, Friday or Saturday, I forget when it was. I was like, okay, I need to check in with my kids because I told them I was going to be home on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's catch people up on that before you dive into this. So uh-huh. uh, Burning Man is in the desert, and so I think we all know that there is no water there. But it was – was it a record? It was like a yeah. record rainfall. In 100 uh, certainly years. Certainly a record in the last 100 years. I saw 100-year rainfall falls. There is not a lot of infrastructure. So people that aren't are listening to this, try to picture this. There's not really infrastructure going into Burning Man. Like the roads end at a certain point, and then That's from it. there, you're talking about just driving over packed compact sand. Well, compact sand absorbs water. It turns into mush, turns into mud. And a lot of these vehicles that I saw on the news, of course, these are the ones featured mostly on the news, are like RVs. But RVs yeah. aren't actually four-wheel drive vehicles. They're meant to be driven on the road or something that is hard and flat. And so... You're talking about huge RVs, campers, lots of vehicles could not traverse the wet, muddy sand. Like it, they couldn't drive through it at all. Yep. Uh, for anyone who's ever been to the beach where you can drive on the sand, this is not, this is actually quite common for even just dry sand uh, in the Outer Banks. People get stuck all the time. Uh, their vehicles, they think their vehicles are super vehicles, but as you know, most SUVs are not made for off-road. They're made for you know, the driveway, <laughs> looking big and tough on the driveway. Um, so that's what happened is when the water started falling and all the rain started falling, um, basically a lot of vehicles couldn't move. They couldn't get out. And so this is where the journey really gets interesting stuff. You guys hear this rain is coming. So that means you were, you, you were, you were recognized like this is going to be a problem. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I heard the rain was coming because we were so disconnected from the outside world <laughs> that I didn't even really know until, I think it started, and I was like, well, "Oh, it rained this is a so little nice. bit beforehand, right? Like beforehand, yeah. it had already gotten some unseasonably uh, yep. amounts of water. Um, 
But it so got I remember absorbed. Seeing some of the, yeah, there was water pooling and stuff yeah. before, but it was still passable. At it the was time. still passable, and I remember they were like, "Oh, well, it wasn't that big of a deal." I was like, "Yes, it rained some. That's awesome. It hasn't rained in a long time, and it <laughs> didn't really delay anything though." So I knew it rained before. So I think I just didn't understand what it means to get rain in a desert like this because when it started raining, it was just pouring and pouring, and what that the rain doesn't even get absorbed into the sand. It's it literally just turned into this like quicksand mud that I've never experienced before because I've been in mud and I've been in sandy sand before. And it was like, I don't even know what this was, but it really didn't absorb it. And it just kept turning into more and more mud where when you'd be walking through it, I would literally like my whole foot would sink in up to my ankle and I would have to like pull my leg out to get to the next spot. There's like, there's like suction. Yeah. Suction. Like you're sucked into it. And yeah. I mean, it was just... Yeah, it was definitely more intense mud than I've ever been in. Uh, and it just didn't stop raining. And so I was like, oh, man, this seems like not good. And, you know, I'm in a tent, like I'm in a glamping tent. And so I'm like, we're not really elevated at all. Like, will this tent be able to withstand water, like sitting in water and for how long? And so there was definitely a lot of questions. Um, and what I did know, though, that it was nice being in a camp because you have this group of people that, you know, many of my friends had RVs. So I'm like, okay, if my tent starts to flood, I'll get into their RV with them. There's a lot of like people that you can rely on out there to be able to help support you. So I really wasn't that worried other than I wanted to get home to my kids. Yeah. And I promised them I was going to be home on Saturday and I'm a woman of my word and I have high integrity around that. And I at least wanted to figure out like how I could. When we couldn't, that's when I, you know, found someone Starlink and hopped on that and FaceTimed them and just said, hey, I'm not going to be able to come home hopefully tomorrow, but it was very open-ended because I really didn't know when we'd be able to get out um, because we actually flew into Burning Man on a plane, which is, I know some people would be like, ah, that's so bougie. That's not what Burning Man is. Whatever. That's what we did. We flew in on a plane and I knew looking Where at this- Where did it land? On the desert floor, like on the sand. Did, There's no oh, runway. I mean, that's a lot of confidence to know that uh, that it can support the plane. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, we flew in on- our friend's plane into Reno, got to Reno, and he chartered a plane, a propeller plane from Reno into Black Rock Okay, City. that makes more sense. I was, yeah. I was, I was yeah, yeah, like not a, like, like a jet. A, like a private jet? Like, that doesn't yeah. seem possible. <laughs> no, no. That's why we had to stop in Reno first. Um, so, yeah, it just lands on the sand. And I was just looking out there, and I'm like, there's no way, like, any of these little planes will be able to land, I don't know, in a week? Like, I just don't even know how they would because it's so muddy, and the whole plane would probably just get stuck in the mud. So we started thinking about, what to do and we just kind of hung out one night and what was interesting though is once i got access to my phone of course it's so easy to get sucked back into it i look and i see what the media is saying about burning man and i know we always say this we have a media company and we always look around and just you know media it's so clickbaity they're obviously going to always say the worst thing burning man has never even made any like really real media coverage and for the first time people are learning about burning man and what they're seeing is oh my gosh, everyone has to hunker down at Burning Man right now. They're told to stay there. There's cannibalism going on. There's Ebola <laughs> spreading. There's scarcity of like resources. Everyone's running out of water. And I was like looking at these articles and then I would step out onto like the, the area where all the camps are and I'd look around and I'm like, people are having their best time ever in the mud. The DJs are playing. All the camps are like giving like food Woodstock. away. Yeah, like who needs water? Woodstock? Oh yeah, you were like a child, but yeah, I was like, I don't know. So Woodstock, about. they did Woodstock again. Um, mm -hmm. So Woodstock was um, it was redone in the '90s. I want to say the late '90s, and similar similar thing happened. Infrastructure wasn't ready. Torrential rain turned into like a mud fest. Like mm -hmm. there's 
anyone can look up videos and footage of it. It's like people are just covered in mud head to toe, mm -hmm. but also doing what you just suggested, which was having the best time with what they have. Like they were like, yeah. well, we can't stop the mud, so let's enjoy it. Someone, yeah. you can't stop the rain. What are we going to do? I know. And everyone was so like, you'd go to these camps and they'd be like, is your camp okay? Do you guys have enough water? Do you need food? And like, Everyone just giving, giving, giving. And like, there was no scarcity. There was no like aggression or anything. Everyone actually leaned in more to have the best time ever. People were out making mud sculptures. There was a really funny one of like a middle finger. I'll have to send it to you. It was hilarious. But like, looked like a perfect middle finger in the middle <laughs> of this like made up of mud. But that, it's, it's just interesting because I've never been on the ground floor of something while the media is saying one thing and you're like, that's actually not true at all. Like, it's not even like 10% true. And I was, you know, walking around quite a bit to kind of see what was happening around these different camps. And anyways, all that to say, the next day we woke up and we heard more rain was coming. And I mean, we had an awesome, you know, party in our camp. We were really celebrating the rain. We had a great dinner and our camp had brought a lot of extra food. So no one was really worried that we were going to run out of anything. And actually we were just giving things out to other camps who maybe didn't have as much. Um, and so when I heard more rain was coming, that's when I was like, I got to get home to my kids. But you could not drive out. The mud was, I mean, so intense that we saw cars and trucks who were trying to drive out and they would just get instantly stuck. And so I was like, okay, definitely can't drive out, even though some parts were looking this is, better. This is where sometimes maybe being the first mover isn't helpful because well, yeah. because you, <laughs> this yeah. is second mover advantage. Like, wait a second. Uh -uh. Hold on. Yeah, I know. Vehicle ain't going to be our way. <laughs> yeah. Like what I saw was like, you don't want to panic and you don't want to try and get out of there because, yeah, that might make it worse. And so a couple people in our crew, the ones of us who all had kids and were trying to get home, we opened up our map and we were like, what's it look like to walk out of here? And <laughs> we looked at the map. And all right, my... let's go back. Let's go yeah, back. Yeah. Let's go okay. back. Because last, last time we did this, you said it was like, for example, a bike ride of almost 10 minutes to... Uh, you know, get to like the outer rings. Yeah, yeah the, the playa, other side. Where if, yeah. if there was music, you would have to go to the outer rings, 10 minute bike ride. Let's say you're, yeah. you know, so it's like a few miles out. That's the outer playa. How far away on foot did you calculate before, like, let's say you were on a main road where a normal vehicle could come pick you up? Yeah. Well, what was funny is we couldn't really tell because on our map, <laughs> we were looking and it wouldn't, you know, we didn't have good internet or anything. So, it wasn't calculating how far away it was, but we did see on the map, like this looks like where the road is. And so he Can had I a say pin. your brother-in-law, Seth, he would have had, he would have oh, had yeah. a paper map. He would have had a, a yeah. Yep. <laughs> he would have calculated. He's like, I know. Hey. <laughs> yeah, he really would have. He would have been like, easy. This is all we got to do. <laughs> this is all we well, got to do. We looked and our one friend who was, you know, kind of leading this, he was like, I think it's anywhere between six miles and 12 miles to walk out. That's a big range. It's a big range. And so. Oh, pl plus, it's not just walking. I think people need to, let's revisit. The ground is saturated with water, with yeah. grippy, suctiony sand mud. So yeah. every, you're like, you're like top speed walking was probably like one and a half miles an hour. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it wasn't the fastest, <laughs> especially when you're in the camp area where everyone's been walking around. That's like, was the worst area where people were just Makes making sense. more and more mud. Once you got farther away, it got a little bit better. But the main camp area, we were so slow trying to get through that mud. But so, yeah, we ended we just started walking. We got put our stuff in our friend's RV, all of our big suitcases. We brought what we needed, like the water, duffel bag, things like that. Because we were like, well, we need snacks in case it ends up being 12 miles. That might be intense. <laughs> <laughs> and we just started walking. And I would say when we we're about probably four miles in, maybe, 
we look out and it's just all desert all around you and we see this person crazily flying through the mud in this van and you would see him coming up to a mud pile and then you'd see him speed up through it like he wasn't slowing down he would speed up like fly over top of these mud piles and this guy comes up and he's like yo dudes you guys need a ride where are you going and he was apparently picking up people who were walking and taking them to the fence line and so this guy had a roof rack he didn't have any room in his van because he had all his like burning man dj stuff all this stuff he had a roof rack though and so we got on top of this guy's van and he drives us to the fence line drives us in a way where i was like we might actually flip over and die because this dude's crazy like you would see, most times you know you I'm see something you are you what you're like you're laying flat on your belly like how are so, you doing this so there's this we're, we're sitting there's this roof rack that we're like holding on to underneath works. of it i'll have to send a video of like showing you how it worked because he had yeah a spot you could sit on the roof but you were able to hold on to something in the middle so it kind of like you weren't just holding on to like a flat van top like there was something we were so holding you're on sitting to. on your butt standing on yeah. your feet like no no sitting on your butt and holding on to this okay roof rack okay. type of thing so yeah you had some type of roof right yeah it wasn't to transport kind of i mean deal. it's not for people for sure like it was not for uh, people it's for probably like carrying like a sofa up there not like a person okay, but you chose to sit on it oh yeah uh okay, we chose gotcha, to get up gotcha. there because there was no room inside of his van and i, I was like yeah, well, i don't want to get in his van and get like murdered i don't know what's in there <laughs> laying down was probably be a better i mean i guess you well, there's too many down. people yeah gotcha yeah we all had to kind of like squish and squish out there like sardines and i think one person even like held on to the back but it, be, it was hilarious because i'm such a very pretty safe conservative person and i normally would not do that but i was like i'm not walking another six miles if we, <laughs> like if this is the option but it was you're funny in survival mode you're like you yeah. turned into a, a wild animal like you're yep. trying to get out of here we were even planning, like, okay, if this guy's van flips, I'm going to have to catapult myself out. Like, I got to be ready with my legs to catapult myself away from his van so I don't get rolled on top of. <laughs> like, that's the level of thinking that our group was doing because his driving was just so funny. Like, you would literally see, like, I think that's a river. I think that's a big muddy river. And then instead of slowing down, he'd be like, zoom, and like, zoom up over top of it. Like, it felt like he was just floating over things. So, anyways, he takes us to the fence line. Thank God we made it. We're alive. And then we're like, well, now we have to keep walking to down this road to try and get somewhere where an Uber will pick us up because essentially uh, the Coast Guard or someone, they blocked off entrance and exit into Burning Man. So no one was allowed to leave. No one was allowed to come in. You could leave if you walked out, but no one was allowed to like drive out because they didn't want a bunch of pe more people getting stuck. And so no Uber could come and get us where we were on this road. So then we were like, okay, I think we have another three miles to walk down this road to get to our spot to be picked up by an Uber. And we are walking about a mile and a half down the road and then some random truck, don't know where he came from. I don't know if he like got out of the desert somehow or what. He stops. He's like, do you guys need a ride? And so we hop in the back of this guy's truck and he takes us, you know, a few miles down the road to get to our Uber. So that's how we got out. We walked and we hitchhiked out and we made it. And, and then once, so once you got out of the fence line, how'd you get, how'd you get from, from there to your final destination, your home? So then we had an Uber come and he picked us up. This guy, he came and yeah, but he couldn't get, he, we had to meet him at the spot where like it was actually open because he couldn't well, drive. But past. wait, you, you arrived. Here's what I'm saying. Like you arrived via friend's jet. Oh yeah. So his, this so Uber took us or did you to buy a plane a, ticket or what? No, this Uber, he took us to this private airport in Reno and our friend's jet was there. So, so the guy had not left yet? 
He oh, you mean the the pilot? Yeah, but yeah, meaning you you arrived with somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was with us. That guy who flew up. Oh, like, he was with you. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I thought you had split up somehow. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. So the same guy who we flew in with, we flew out with. It's his plane. So we were like, we're sticking with you, buddy. And so because everything was getting moved <laughs> around, gotcha. when it's a private gotcha. plane, you can do okay. whatever you want. You can say, hey, you're not picking yeah, up today. Okay. You're picking up tomorrow now. Yeah. So, when, you got, yeah. when you got a private plane and someone says you got to pay extra for hangar fees, you're like, whatever <laughs> i know yeah it was actually interesting we went through we're like what is the cost to own a plane we went through all the numbers on the way back and i'm like Hooey, that's expensive it's and super expensive like yeah once you get to a certain point it doesn't matter and all that to say like i said getting out was much bougier than it was last year and i'm grateful for having people like that who once they get abundance it's like sharing it and that's what a lot of people in my friend group they're very abundant and they're very open to just sharing it with everyone around them which is really nice and so i benefited from that this year which was helpful and it got all me right would my you have had the same time you think if you did not have access to that if had you not been picked up if you had to have trekked the uh the 12 miles yeah i would say i would have had the it was a fun adventure to get out i would have been fine walking the whole way out too i mean i was already up for a 12 mile walk like it was in my head that that's what mm -hmm. we're going to be doing here and i would just say it was a fun adventure getting out because there was a group of people if i was by myself that would have been not as fun um, but because we were in a group and I mean, it made the time go by quicker and I'm also used to hiking and doing longer things like that. But I will say a lot of people stayed back in our camp because they were like, they didn't really want to walk. They wanted to just kind of wait it out. And they all equally had just as much fun too. More parties, more dinners, more connection. Some of them just waited till they could drive out, which was, I think, Monday. Um, actually, most of them waited until you could just drive out. So it was, well, yeah, you know, but, the, I think it brings up a good thought for a, a lot of people listening and that is you know a lot of the things that you will most remember probably like some of your greatest joy probably comes from some sort of struggle like we as yep. people we don't remember like just cush things mm -hmm. uh, i think to the, i think to my friends that uh, you know i work with a lot of guys that are in the military like they laugh at hell week they laugh at being a plebe it sucked of course like they didn't mm -hmm. enjoy going through it but at the same time it's that challenge that brings up i think memories and somehow yeah. your brain has a sick way of twisting bad things into like this wasn't that bad big of a deal yeah like it's pretty good and the uh, stories that come from it like so oh, yeah. many good stories you're like yeah, I no one wants to hear about like the time you sat on your couch and ordered doordash like no one yeah. gives a shit like someone wants, everyone <laughs> wants to hear about the time that i fell flat face in the mud because i was trying to carry something and my whole foot got yeah. stuck and then i fell yeah. and like and, people were around watching and i had and mud on my face out and like <laughs> People like hearing stories of overcoming struggle, and, and yeah. that, those are the things you remember anyways about yourself. I equated actually to my um, <clears throat> my wife told me after our fir her first child, uh, our first child, her first child for sure. I mean, I, I, t is it mine? I still don't know. TBD, you'll find out one day. <laughs> I mean, I saw, I witnessed the birthing, so I was like, that's her child for sure. Uh, <laughs> but she said that like shortly after, and she had read about this, that um, there's like a chemical or hormone or whatever in moms that make them forget about the pain. Like they oh, yeah. actually think about having another kid kind yeah. of quickly after. Yeah. And when like, people you, ask I you, just, was it terrible? You're like, ah, I, I, I mean, I remember it hurt and yeah, I would I do it again? Yes. Screaming in pain. But now here you are, yeah. uh, you know, a couple hours later, you're feeling fine. You're like, in fact, you're always talking about having more children. And so this idea that we, when we're not in struggle, people, it's like some people like want to avoid it. Like they don't want to do anything hard. They don't want to do anything challenging. They don't want to do anything. And I don't know. I don't know if that makes for a memorable life. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes it memorable. And I think that's why, like, 
people who like CrossFit, who like Spartan, who like hiking, who like mountain climbing, who like just doing hard stuff. And maybe it's some people say I have a bias because I enjoy some of those things too, but I find them more interesting. I find them to be happier because they do yeah. more things. Um, like people who go on all inclusives, I've always found that they're not interesting. You never have stories after all inclusives. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think stories are from resiliency of like struggles, or I think pushing your boundaries or like your edges, you can call them, where you're like, I never would have done that before. Yeah. And this is outside many people's comfort zone. And like, I can tell you one story. 50% of the people listening will fucking judge me. The other 50% will be like, all right, Steph, you, you went into a different area. So Jeremy and I, Jeremy's my partner, um, we saw on the Burning Man book, there was a couple's massage class. And a lot of times you go into these, you know, classes that are happening all throughout the day. And there's great facilitators, like really, like a lot of times you'll stumble on like famous people that you're like, I know it's like $10,000 just to go to your conference. And so all throughout the day, there's all these good, talks going on classes and so we saw that there was this couples massage class you have to come as a couple and you know it sounds like you're going to learn how to give each other massages and the different techniques and you know we they provide oil and massage tables and all this stuff and I was like great I love a good massage like and Jeremy can always get better <laughs> and learn how to be a better man <laughs> it's a good skill you will it's a good best. skill for anyone to have <laughs> and I was like and I guess I could actually learn how to do it too because I don't ever give yeah. Jeremy any <laughs> I was like, I You're guess like, I can. Yeah, I mainly was like, Jeremy, like, let's keep. It. He's really good already, but I'm like, you can always get better, and I can try. <laughs> so, so we go there, and it's just this big dome, and you don't even see what's inside of it. And they're just like, just sign up on the list. I can already, my mind's already going to where this is going. I gotta stop you right here, because this is getting fascinating. You already know my mind's already going to different places. Listen, we're gonna take a pause right here, and we are going to pick up next week. We're gonna pick up next week. We're gonna find out. What was in the tent? What was Stephanie doing? I already got my mind's already racing. Is it rated X? You know, we we won't find out till next week. So stay tuned. Next week we'll reveal what happened in the love dome. Just the love dome. The love dome. <laughs> Till next time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>